Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Well, not welcome back. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. Just recorded some fundraisers for Free Speech TV and I kind of had it in my head. I was on the air. Anyhow, it is uh, midweek and midday. So it must be time for uh, uh, Middays with Mark. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us, uh, representing the 2nd District of Wisconsin. He's the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, pocan.house.gov is the website. His Twitter handle is rep, as in representative, rep, Mark, M-A-R-K, Pocan, P-O-C-A-N. Congressman, welcome back. Hey, Tom. Thanks. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to have you with us. So uh, there's a lot of stuff in the news uh, from the, you know, Bernie's rolling out his Medicare for all today. The Supreme Court, uh, I, I was just looking through the Washington Post. I couldn't find it, but I'm seeing it on Twitter that the Supreme Court ruled that uh, Texas can go ahead with their uh, draconian voter suppression laws and that Neil Gorsuch was the deciding vote on that. Again, this is secondhand news. It's, I'm not, I can't corroborate that or verify that, but it appears to be the case. Um, the uh, Voter Fraud Commission or the Voter Suppression Commission went to New Hampshire. Why are these guys not talking about electronic voting machines and tabulators that could be hacked by anybody from Russians to 16-year-olds in their, in, in their you know, basement in Dubuque? Because they actually have no intention of dealing with problems with our voting systems. Instead, they're trying to create problems with our voting systems so they can find more ways to make it harder for people to be able to vote. Um, and, you know, uh, let's face it, the guy who's running this commission has got a long, long record, not just of voter suppression, but Chris, Chris Kobach has made statements uh, going back to his radio show days where he talked about a, a rise in Latino immigration would lead to the ethnic cleansing of whites. Well, he was the author of SB 1020, wasn't he, in Arizona? Yeah, well, no, I'm not not sure about that offhand. I couldn't say, Tom, but I know that uh, his record um, goes, uh, it's very much um, embedded in the alt-right movement. Uh, He writes columns for Breitbach, uh, but it's it's all about um, often the white race uh, and, and how it relates to voting. So, of course, um, whether it be you know something like the interstate cross check where you throw people off of ballots uh, simply because they have similar names to I, I think there was someone who was going to be testifying or will be testifying on this commission who um, is a, a gun advocate who's suggesting that uh, voters should have to go through the same background checks that you do to get to buy guns. Um, right. This is part of the brilliant ideas that are coming out of this commission when in reality we know uh, there's outside influence trying to hack into our voting machine companies and our election officials. Uh, we know that there's these efforts like the interstate cross-check that purge names off of ballots. We know there's uh, a bunch of laws, including in my home state of Wisconsin and other states that make it harder for people to vote, whether it be photo ID laws or banning early voting. Uh, those are, if you really wanted to deal with voting, those would be real efforts. This commission is set up to basically justify the fact in Donald Trump's head that he didn't actually lose by three million votes. Yeah. Uh, just just for your for your uh, biocomputer here, for your data bank, I'm looking on Wikipedia on the uh, on the entry on SB 1070, Arizona's, uh, yeah. you know, your papers, please, particularly if you're Brown Law. Um, the major sponsor of and legislative force behind the bill was State Senator Russell Pierce, um, uh, much of the drafting of the bill was done by Chris Kobach, a yeah. professor at the University of Missouri-Kansas City School of Law and a figure long associated 
the uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform, who had written immigration-related bills in many other parts of the country. Pierce and Kobach had worked together on past legislative efforts regarding immigration. So Chris Kobach actually wrote that legislation. Gotcha. Amazing. Yeah, no, and, and I, I was just confused for a second because I knew he wasn't from Arizona, and I was trying to think. Yeah, I, his, you know, me too. He was in Kansas, area, right? Very yeah. clear. Yep. So, anyhow, what's what what is on your mind? What is oh, and and I should l- let me just set this up. Uh, you're here with us for the hour. You will be taking calls from our listeners in in just a minute, and uh, you know, give us give us a shout if you want to talk to Congressman Pocan. So, what do you in your mind? What is at the top of the news, and what is at the top of what's happening here in Washington D.C.? Well, I, you know, in uh, House uh, Representatives, it's not going to be a shock to you, Tom, but we're not really doing much. Um, we uh, are in our second week of debating uh, in a minibus uh, appropriations bill that, if you remember the news from last week, we just extended, um, did a continuing resolution for three months. So this is an utterly uh, futile attempt. The bill is going absolutely nowhere. But uh, if Paul Ryan can keep his members making a bunch of amendments to say they fought for this or fought for that, they can't muck up everything else. So this is a keep the children busy uh, process. <laughs> and I was uh, leading floor debate for a little bit yesterday on the uh, labor human services education portion of this. They can't govern, right? I mean, they've spent eight months trying to take people off of health care. They can't get that done. They want to figure out how to lower taxes for the richest in this country. They're not going to get that done. We're not going to let them. We're going to do our very best. Uh, but they don't have an agenda. So, you know, this is a, literally a treading water week so they can have some of their members feel like they've done something. And uh, that, that's very frustrating. Now, conversely, I, I think, you know, watching some of the stuff that's getting introduced and, you know, seeing Bernie introduce the Medicare for All in the Senate, I would feel uh, I, I didn't do my job if I didn't mention John Conyers has already introduced um, uh, very similar, there's slight differences, but a very similar bill in the House. And Tom, we're up to 117 co-sponsors. That's over 60% of our caucus. So wow. while we're really glad that the Senate for the, I think it might be the first time taking this bill up, and I think they've got 17, I might be wrong on that number, but I, I think it's 17 co-sponsors, which is great. Let's not forget uh, over 60% of the Democratic caucus in the House has already been on a very similar provision. The good news is that's what this whole health care debate has brought. If, if people don't like the ACA and they don't want to lose their health insurance like the Republicans are proposing, you know, it all comes down to the easiest way to do this was to make sure that we have some sort of a single-payer system. And I, I think there's real momentum, especially going into 2018 and 2020, that this will be an issue people talk about. Yeah, it would be fascinating to go back to 1947 and see when Harry Truman proposed single-payer health care, you know, the first serious proposal of it for the United States, and, and just see how, you know, how many of the Democrats supported it, how much, how has the party changed since it was the FDR party to now is, you know, something else, or, or actually I think it's going back to being the FDR party. Right. Um, you're certainly well, leading that charge. Rick Nolan, who represents northern Minnesota, was elected in 1974 to Congress, served three terms, left, and then came back in my class in 2013. And he told me that they had a bill that did, you know, basically was the single-payer bill back then, and it had six sponsors. So to get, right. see it go from six sponsors then to 117 now, including, you know, some of our leadership. I know there's some articles that, you know, Chuck Schumer and Nancy don't directly talk about the bill, but, you know, Joe Crowley, who is our caucus chair, uh, is on the bill. Um, you know, a lot of our, uh, obviously the progressive caucus, clearly, but we don't have um, 117 members. There's a lot of people who aren't progressive caucus members that are supporting this bill. So I think that's, you know, part of the story is it's great that the Senate is rolling this out. Bernie has been such a great advocate for it when he ran for president. But let's not forget that in the Democratic caucus, in the House of Representatives, over 60% of the people are already on that bill. That That's just showing the direction that this country is and where the grassroots are. Yeah, it's remarkable. So uh, anything else you wanted to discuss or should we start picking up calls? Uh, just one real quick thing. I, I just saw this article that um, I think is good in the sense of, you know, when people are always looking for positive what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been six uh, elections, I think state legislative elections in the country, including two uh, just yesterday, where um, the districts have flipped from a district that Trump won to Democratic. And there are zero districts that have flipped from Democratic to Republican. And while we focused on some of the congressional races that were these deep red districts and there were big swings, but not enough to flip them blue, 
We're seeing it in closer Republican districts around the country, and I think that's important for people to know. That's a really positive sign of, I think, where we're heading in 2018. Yeah, so don't give up hope. Don't despair. Be, be, be of good cheer, uh, friends and neighbors. There's good things happening. It's just sometimes the mainstream media doesn't put them on the news while they're selling detergent. So yeah. I just want to make sure people hear what's actually happening on the ground. Very well said. We're going to hit, we're going to get this quick break out of the way, and then we'll pick up the uh, phone calls. Uh, you know, for Congressman Mark Pocan. Mark Pocan is the uh, representative. Rep- he represents the second district of Wisconsin. He is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. His website pocan.house.gov. Tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. This is the Tom Hartman Program, and we'll be right back with your calls, Congressman Pocan. And welcome back. Randy in Ottawa, Iowa, watching Free Speech TV on the Dish Network. You are live with Congressman Mark Pocan. Hi, Tom and Mark. Um, Mark, I want to kind of comment on what's going on in the last few days that I've seen by watching C-SPAN and stuff. And there's there's a Republican from uh, Louisiana in Congress that's just talking like a progressive, you know, that we need to be ready for some of these disasters in, in our lives and, and that are coming be, instead of waiting for them to get done. Um, my point is that right now they just lifted the debt ceiling and we're over $20 trillion in the hole. And it's going to grow just like it did under George Bush with the Republican Congress. So um, my question is, the um are they talking on the Hill about corporate tax relief for repatriating um, this $2 trillion that's sitting offshore uh, uh, from, from offshoring uh, jobs? And uh, then if I have time, i got a second question. Okay. Congressman? Yeah, so there has been some discussion, um, which I do not support, uh, that would allow uh, people to repatriate the money that they owe in taxes for uh, change on the dollar in order to, the, the most uh, discussed topic has been to create an infrastructure bank to pay for infrastructure, but I could see them using it also, and I think there's been some comments about using it for tax reform. However, we did this once not that long ago, and if you keep doing this, you've now set precedent for companies to just hold their money long enough that they can until we allow you to bring it back in at a fraction of the dollar, rather than paying your taxes like you're supposed to. So um, I think it certainly will be part of the debate. And to be fair, uh, a Democrat or two has uh, also uh, advocated for this. I just think it's an awful, awful idea. If people owe taxes, they owe taxes. We should make them pay it. In fact, we should collect it. Uh, and and not allow them to do it the way they're currently doing it, but to let them pay it for a fraction uh, of what they actually owe just to have money for something you need. To me, it's a really bad direction. And to the Progressive Caucus, I think, as a whole, it's been a bad direction. Yeah. Two two quick thoughts apropos of that. Um, One, the last time this happened, I think it was during Bush, over 90% of the money that uh, came back, that these companies brought back, they used for share buybacks. They did not, you know, which inflates the value of their stock and increases the compensation of their senior executives and doesn't do a damn thing for the company or the economy. And and secondly, putting my Frank Luntz hat on, why don't we rename this? You know, it's like how they renamed the inheritance tax, the death tax. Why don't we call this rewarding companies for shipping jobs overseas? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, this has been a trend already we've seen where they try to hide what they actually owe to give any reward whatsoever for this. I think even the, the deepest red Trump voter uh, who believes Make America Great is a, is a valuable slogan would be against that if they actually understood what it was about. Yeah. So if, if, if we could get Democrats, and I'll start talking about it this way, certainly on this program, to, and maybe that's not the catchiest phrase. I don't, maybe we should kind of crowds, crowdsource the, you know, what the phrase should be, but uh, rewarding companies for shipping jobs. And you know, we, we're going to give these companies a giant tax break for shipping jobs overseas, something like that, on their overseas money. Um, need to think about it. But anyhow, Congressman Mark Pocan with us taking your calls for the hour. We'll be back with more of your calls for Congressman Mark Pocan.
Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us, taking your calls for the hour. George in Santee, California, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, uh, good morning, uh, Congressman Pocan. Uh, I was curious as to why um, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, or, or for that matter, why any Democrat wouldn't be supporting uh, uh, Bernie's uh, health care bill. Yeah, George, I, you know, I, I think often, you know, leadership um, look at things differently and they're uh, often not leading on issues like this. That quite honestly, I think, you know, the, if, if the people lead, eventually the leaders follow that slogan. I, I do believe in the people are there on Medicare for all on a single payer system, which is why you have members getting there. But you don't often see the leaders necessarily jump there because they're trying to represent Everyone in their caucus, I'm not saying it's a good idea, but what I think is positive, rather than focusing on negative, and I think this is real important for us, especially in these tough times of having Donald Trump, President Paul Ryan in charge of Congress, Mitch McConnell in charge of the Senate, is if you've got, for the first time in the Senate, putting this bill out there with 17 co-sponsors, which is significant in the Senate, and to have over 60% of the Democratic caucus in the House on a bill that is real movement, and we can continue to build on that. So I'm not too concerned that the leaders aren't on it. I would like to continue trying getting more and more members on it. But I, I think we can all see where this country is headed. Uh, this health care debate has brought us to we want to have something that works to make sure everyone has access. The simplest system, uh, the most cost savings you could have in a system would happen through single payer. And I think uh, we just need to build on the successes we're having right now. Dave in Armstrong Creek, Wisconsin. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Uh, good morning, Tom and Mark. Uh, uh, my question is, now, the uh, Republicans always, you know, their big drawback of uh, uh, single-payer or Medicare for all is it's going to cost so much. Well, I've got Medicare, and uh, it's really not that expensive. And you, I would think it would be, you know, beneficial to employers. It would be you know, because they wouldn't have to, you know, provide health insurance, but which is actually part of people's wages. And, you know, can you give me an idea how this would, you know, get paid for, how, how that whole thing would work? Plus, I wouldn't have to pay for workman's comp anymore. Yeah. I, well, I, let me offer it from a 30,000-foot perspective, because one of the things you're going to see in both of these provisions, the House and the Senate bill, is while there's some detail, there's not an incredible amount of detail in the sense that there's different directions we can go, but there are multiple good directions we can go w w once you get there. I think uh, one of the things that Tom and I have had conversations over the many months uh, about is, you know, especially on the employer side, both Tom and I uh, are employers, and I've for nearly three decades have had a, a small business. If you look at what the cost of business is for providing health insurance and what the disadvantages to try to compete with a country like Canada. I mean, autos alone, cars made in Detroit area and then just across the waterway in Canada, uh, they say that the cost of healthcare is more than the, cast, the cost of the steel in a vehicle. And you could be far more competitive if you had that national system. And then there's all the overhead and the marketing, and you go down all the other things that if you get rid of, you can provide those real savings which help to cover every single person. We've seen now with the Affordable Care Act, you know, how you can make sure that people who need access get access. We have a better idea of those costs. We're just honing right on, in on this right now, and there will absolutely be savings, and there's many studies that show that what direction a bill would go, um, there's various paths. But the good news is people are realizing that you're going to have those savings. You're going to provide businesses to be more competitive. Every single person would be covered and that's what you'd expect from a, a westernized country and why we're not there, I think, is, is going to be an interesting debate. We'll have years, years from now saying, God, I can't believe it took us so long to get here. Jim in Lombard, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello, Congressman. I just have a statement. Scapegoating has led to genocide many times in the history of civilization. And what we have, to quote John Prine in this country, is half of the population are happy sailors dancing on a sinking ship. That's all I got to say. Okay. Scapegoating, Congressman? We have about a minute left before we uh, take a break. Uh, I, I don't have a response. I, I'm you know, I, 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 I think of uh, the way that Donald Trump sca scapegoated Mexicans. He's now scapegoating uh, Muslims. You know, his Muslim ban just went back to the Supreme Court. 
Well, and, and then look through the administration. You know, John Nichols, I know you've had him on your program. Oh, I've known John for years. It's great, right? I mean, he's talking about all the folks uh, that are around Donald Trump in his various realms and some of their histories. And when you look at this, I mean, that is a term that just, you know, relates and is a string for almost all of them. Yeah, yeah, this, this scapegoating. Hi, yeah. Uh, what, what legislation is before you this week in Congress? So there is, again, we're still debating this uh, omnibus, minibus uh, bill that's, again, not going anywhere because we already passed a continuing resolution. That debate is going on. And then there's a bill about gangs and trying to define gangs, which quite honestly can go against priests and nuns and other people. Uh, what, this is another one of these bills about um, the border and trying to scapegoat uh, people who uh, look different than Donald Trump and his administration. Are they going to label the Progressive Caucus a gang? Uh, if you're more than five people, uh, yes. And they're also getting police unparalleled powers in it. Again, I don't think this is ever going to be real. I, I shouldn't laugh because, I mean, this, this kind of thing has happened in other countries. Yeah. Congressman Mark Pocan with us taking your calls. We'll be back right after this break at the bottom of the hour. Stick around. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Congressman Pocan's website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. We'll be right back. Hey, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. And their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, you, my listeners, can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Best price around. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com Hartman. That's ZipRecruiter.com Hartman. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hartman. Welcome back. Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us. It's Middays with Mark on the Tom Hartman program, taking your calls. Congressman, you're with us? I am. Okay. Bill in Sebastian, Florida, you are on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Yeah. Hello, Tom. Um, and good afternoon, uh, Congressman. Uh, yeah, I would think that a, an investigation into Kobach would would be in order. And I also think an investigation into uh, Paul Weirich's uh, buddy, Tom Fitton, from Judicial Review would be in order, as well as uh, the Blue Mountain Hedge Fund, which has more or less destroyed Puerto Rico. Hmm. And if you could comment on that, perhaps. I'm sorry, could you say the question specifically? I, I didn't quite catch it. I apologize. Uh, I do believe uh, an investigation into Chris Kobach and his undermining democracy with his uh, suppression of the votes, as well as Tom Finton, who was uh, Paul Weirich's companion uh, with Judicial Review. Wyrick was the guy in 1980 who, when he was running the Reagan campaign, said, we don't want everybody to vote uh, elections. found Alec. Yeah, yeah, right. and he co-founded Alec, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think people know Chris Kobach's background. I mean, I think that's why people are so very concerned about, you know, him heading this commission and what their goals will be. I mean, so far, I, I think the vice president wasn't at the commission this week. I don't know if this is going to have any legs because... You know, there are Republicans, including people like Jim Sensenbrenner from Wisconsin, who used to be the definition of a conservative in Congress, who now um, is, I guess, a rhino in the current makeup with all the Tea Party folks, who still very much believes in, uh, you know, fixing uh, the Voting Rights Act. So there are Republicans who do want to do that. So I think, you know, while Donald Trump uh, and others are, are very much focused on trying to make it harder for people to vote, and we've been seeing that for decades this particular commission, I think, is is even more about Donald Trump trying to prove he uh, didn't lose the popular vote and him trying to come up with some answers on this. But 
Um, I don't know of many people who give this a whole lot of credibility here in Washington. David in Columbus, Ohio, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. Um, thanks for doing this, Congressman. I appreciate it. Um, I would like to know if there's uh, any federal head funds for uh, housing restoration. Uh, cities are losing housing because they're becoming older and older, and we're getting these large gaps in the middle of cities, and we're losing uh, property taxes. And I think uh, this speaks to long-range planning and creating an efficient city which does not waste energy and people aren't driving all over the place. Uh, so these older communities need to be restored because some of them are um, 100 years old, the housing. So just is there any money available for cities to do housing plans and um, the restoration plans for older areas? So uh, let me answer it in two ways, David. One, yes, there are funds both through CDBG and, and HUD and others um, that uh, touch housing in different ways, including, I think, to allow these types of plans, because you're right, it's absolutely essential for uh, communities with older housing stock to still, you know, have people living in it. Our bigger problem is just, you know, when we don't eventually have a continuing resolution, if they actually pass a budget that either President Trump wants or that, for that matter, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell want, you're going to see devastating cuts to these very agencies, because when we put $70 billion additional into defense and they're not going to talk about any new revenue, it's going to come out of programs exactly like this. So I think our fight is to make sure that we're able to preserve these funds, because this is what our local communities are about, and uh, we have to make sure we're pushing back on their budget proposals when they happen, which is why, you know, when we have these continuing resolutions, they have to come and get Democratic votes. They are so dysfunctional. They have so many members that won't vote for any budget uh, that they've had to come and get our votes, but at some point uh, they might get smart, and that's when we have to be really ready to fight back uh, and make sure they don't cut programs like this that are needed in communities across the country. Linda in Asheville, North Carolina. You're on the air with Congressman Pokin. Linda? Oh, Linda's doing something else. Rick in Placentia, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pokin. Well, thanks for taking my call, and uh, I think it's great that you're uh, you're actually on here and answering uh regular folks questions. It's really cool. Um, Thank you, Rick. Um, so I have a question and a comment. I, I'm a tax professional for H&R Block. I help people out of the country doing their, you know, getting their stuff caught up. Um, uh, so my first question is, does, you, you think everybody doesn't see that uh, this whole thing with Kobach helping out Trump with this voter fraud thing is just a vanity thing? I mean, and um, I mean, you know, and the other part of that is this, I mean, I was noticing where he was complaining about votes in New Hampshire um, from college students who maybe came from somewhere else and um, voted in that state. Now, is, is that even an, an issue in some states? I mean, don't don't college kids get to vote pretty much wherever they are, depending, no matter where they're from? And uh, um, you know, and of course, the other comment I had was basically this whole, you know, being a tax professional. I noticed that um, um, I looked through his whole, you know. You know his whole plan. Basically, every every piece of literature I can find on it, I've read on it, and and it just it's irritating to me that anybody, any regular citizen, would ever vote for somebody like Trump or a, or any Republican for that matter. Just seeing, really, all he's interested in is helping out his buddies, and you know you you see the way it's structured, and he's basically, he, you know, he he wants to pay for this wall, and he wants to pay for the tax cuts for his rich buddies with with this, and he's doing. You know, he, so what's he do? He cuts, he cuts education, he cuts interior, he cuts the EPA. I mean, does, does everybody just not see this? I mean, what, what, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my issue. But anyway, I, yeah, that's not too much a question, but a comment there. Well, Rick, let me address your comment on your question. I mean, a absolutely. You know, this is the problem, right? Their agenda has been taking away health care from tens of millions of people. Uh, their agenda has been providing tax cuts for the wealthiest and for big corporations in this country. And uh, they've... Uh, put out the idea that they would shut down the government over uh, whether or not they're getting funding for a wall uh, that um, no one supports, uh, so except for their base and, and not even their entire base. So, you know, it, clearly their agenda doesn't help the people of the country. I think people are starting to figure that out more and more. We just have to make sure we're really ready for it in 2018 and 2020. Uh, to, the, to the question on the commission, I, the one thing I do want to say is I don't want to dismiss the commission too much. While 
we certainly know uh, that their product is is a pretty ridiculous one, that it's this vanity project to justify uh, why he didn't really lose the popular vote in the elections. I've seen things like this before. They'll come up with really terrible results. So we have to make sure that they don't, all of a sudden this uh, committee comes up with a report and somehow the Republicans decide to go with the report because they realize in 2018 they're in big trouble. Also in the last week, Tom, three Republicans, moderate to, you know, like regular conservatives, uh, announced they aren't running in districts that Democrats can pick up. Uh, just three in the last week, and we've been told there's a lot more coming. Um, because of that, there may be a, a panic mode, and they try to figure out how to, again, pick their voters. So um, let's not totally dismiss it, even though we know right now the commission, what they're doing, isn't especially credible. Let's just be prepared, because I think they may come to a panic mode and decide they have to defend seats. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, in Shirley, New York, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom. Uh, my question is for the congressman as well as for you, Tom. Um, sir, I was curious. Um, I understand that we're going to need uh, uh, billions of dollars in rebuilding for both Houston as well as Florida. However, my question specifically aims at a 2015 amendment that uh, Obama had put in place, uh, which was based on climate resiliency. And unfortunately, it seems to have been done away with. And my thought process is, while I have no qualms about giving money to these places that badly need it, uh, would it not be sensical to at least make sure that any structures that are rebuilt are climate resilient, that can hold up to uh, another potential catastrophe like the one we, uh, everyone has just encountered? I, I would think that it would make more sense in the long run for everybody. Uh, Tony, of, uh, of course, it, m it makes good sense. In fact... One of the things we saw after Hurricane Andrew went through Florida, um, many communities um, had new building codes, including Homestead, which was devastated by Andrew, and uh, did much better through this hurricane because of that better standards. But, you know, we have problems with having statewide standards in a lot of places, period. Um, so, yes, it would make sense. However, uh, let me refer back to the fact that uh, the people in charge of this Congress are Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. So I don't know if they're going to accept anything that uh, addresses as simple as what you just offered, which is absolutely common sense, if it addresses climate change in any way, uh, it doesn't affect, that would affect the message and the relationship they have with the oil companies and others that don't want to have a real debate about climate change. So, uh, yes, you're right. Uh, maybe we can do that if we change some of the faces around here, but I think the difficulty uh, in seeing that happen when we have to get aid now to people uh, is much more difficult because of who's in charge. Uh, Carl in McChester, McChesney Park, Illinois. Hey, Charlie, Carl, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, Mark, uh, I'm 70 years old, so I've been on Social Security for quite a while. And Paul Ryan, we used to get a cost-of-living raise, and Paul Ryan tied it to something called the CPI. And since then, we haven't got a raise in two years. I don't know what the CPI is, but I don't like it. Is there any hope for us old folks? Hey, Carl, um, I, I hear what you're saying. So, you know, the, the CPI is the consumer, consumer Price Index, which is kind of linked to a bunch of costs across the country. One of the big problems we've had is when oil prices uh, had dropped um, because oil got, gas got less expensive, that was factored in, and the CPI was flat or negative, um, actually, one year. And because of it, there was no increase for uh, people on Social Security. Yet you and I both know um, seniors spend about 25% of their income on things like medicines, which has continued to skyrocket. And, you know, my 88-year-old mother is not driving her uh, old 1999 car anymore. Uh, that doesn't affect the money she has when she doesn't get that increase in Social Security. So uh, I think many of us have advocated for a CPI-E, which is an index that takes into consideration what seniors actually spend their money on, things like medicine, and maybe not so much, I guess. Okay. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour. Middays with Mark here on the Tom Harbin program. His website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at repmarkpocan. Send him a tweet saying hi and thank you. We'll be right back with more of your calls from Congressman Pocan. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit tomhartman.com for audio and video archives. We'll be right back. Stick around.
And welcome back. Norma in Montgomery, Alabama. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you, Dr. Tom. Good afternoon, Senator Pocan. Oh, hi, Norma. Um, I would like to uh, see Medicare for all because one of the things that a lot of people don't think about is when a working person has to fork out anywhere from 30, 40, 50 percent of their income for health insurance, this is money that comes out of their income, and they cannot afford to do this. And so they do without other things. And one of the main things that they're doing without is saving money to buy a home. If they only have to pay for Medicare, they could possibly save enough money to have a home, and this would help the country instead of having all of these rental income. We have a lot of foreign investment rental income here in the South. This money leaves the country every day. And if we kept that money here by people having enough money to buy a home, it would help the economy instead of seeing the dollars leave the country. But when you have to pay enough to make one person, the CEO of the health insurance companies, happy, which also takes money out of the federal budget because these premiums have to be subsidized, we are losing across the country on this deal. Instead, you'd have money coming in from Medicare and you would no longer have to budget money for health care. Norma, I, uh, I completely agree. You're making one of the very strong arguments that, that is out there, that if uh, people were to get health care as a right, as a being a citizen of the United States, uh, that money can go towards other things. Um, housing, we know if people um, buy as opposed to rent, um, it has an, people have investment in their communities, and that helps the communities be stronger. But also, you know, that extra money might go to people going out to eat at a restaurant. They might go to a movie. They might buy a sofa. All of those things help stimulate the economy much better than just putting it into uh, what right now is, is I think, an inefficient uh, model for healthcare delivery. So you made one of the very strong reasons, and I think there's a whole lot more, Norma, which is why I think the support is growing for it. Okay. How much time do we have, Trent? One minute and 15 seconds. Let's see. Corky, can you ask a real quick question in Hilton, New York? Yeah, I can. Uh, how come Congress can't vote for a transaction tax on Wall Street? This has been kicking around for years. Great. Yeah, and, and it was law for years. Congressman? Yep. Uh, so, Corky, so I can tell you that the Democratic caucus in the House, anyway, has used uh, one of our funding mechanisms for the budget that we put out every year is uh, doing exactly that. So um, the European Union does it. Uh, we want to go back to it. There's no way uh, this Wall Street loving uh, uh, House majority is ever going to go there. But if we change some faces, I think we could get back there. Okay. And uh, just a, a quick note to our to our viewers on Free Speech TV. We're having a little bit of a technical problem on our end, and the signal may crash, or you may see a black screen for a minute, or you saw a little piece of fill there. We're, we're uh, Nate is furiously working to fix this right now. So, uh, we, we, yeah, and in, in 10 seconds, we're going to hit a break here. Um, so Congressman Mark Pocan is on the line with us answering your calls for the day. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. More of these calls. Welcome back, Congressman Mark Pocan, taking your calls. And Ken, in Great Falls, Montana, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. You know, up here in Montana, we're on fire. We've burned over a million acres. That's the, side of Rhode, that's the size of Rhode Island. And so our Republican senator and congressman comes out with our ex-congressman, Zinke, who's Interior Secretary, and they use it to attack environmentalists. The fact that we have environmental rules on logging that we wouldn't let them cut the logs, so the logs burnt, so we're full of smoke. And this is what's pushing, and they're, they're going to try to push legislation to handcuff environmentalists in this thing. You know, they, they won't say the word climate change. I'm 62 years old. I see it. Zinke should see it, too. My family's ranch was up in Whitefish, where he grew up, next to the Glacier Park. I've seen the dryness in the uh, alpine ecology. It's it's insane the way it's drying out and and with this climate change, but they won't talk about it. They're going to cut environmentalists' ability to uh, have input on the forest as they log it. They're using it to log the forest to say that's what's going to save us from these horrendous fires. 
I'm hoping that you can do something to help counteract that. Get yeah, it's sort of like, hey, you've got arthritis in your hand. How about cutting it off? Yeah. <laughs> Congressman? Yeah, um, Ken, I'll tell you, you know, thanks for talking about it. And, you know, it, when it comes to the floor, we will definitely um, make sure that we're raising these issues. I, I think with the, the bigger, broader issue, it's just amazing that the length they will go for short-term thinking for their financial donors uh, and for the people who uh, fund their campaigns, they will sell off their local communities, their neighbors, um, everything uh, in the guise to make them happy. And when it comes to clean air and clean water, look, even rich people need that. And maybe they can afford their own, you know, air purifying machines and their own um, ways to purify water. But the short-term thinking the Republicans have out there by not accepting climate change after we've just had two devastating hurricanes uh, with because of warmer water temperatures, uh, it's just one of those things that uh, we just have to keep fighting back on because the people, again, are with us on this issue, and we can change the faces of those people making the decisions. Okay. Uh, Leslie in Central Square, New York. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. Uh, uh, I'd like to say there was a meeting, I think it was Sunday, between Hickenlooper and uh, John Kasich. And uh, they talked, to, only one guy, Kasich, talked about it, but Hickam Looper's in on it, together with them, privatizing Social Security uh, uh, plan that they have, that they want to put into place. It's pri- called about privatizing uh, Medicare and a bunch of other stuff. They make the other stuff sound good. Uh, the other thing is, you got to get rid of these Democrats that vote Republican. I mean, my God, are we stupid? Uh, we have to get rid of them. And, uh, Congressman? Yeah, Leslie, so let me just say, when you said they, you really referring to John Kasich. So let's just be real clear on that. So John Kasich, who many people think because he criticizes Trump as a moderate, is not a moderate. He is uh, a hardcore conservative who wants to, as you just said, privatize things like Medicare and Social Security. That's not uh, a moderate position. So, um, you know, he may have tried to, because I know he's trying to work on some bipartisan efforts nationally with Governor Hickenlooper. I don't think Governor Hickenlooper is going there. But let's remember, this is a, a John Kasich proposal. He's not a moderate. And I think it's really important to reinforce that. Okay. We have uh, 90 seconds here. Sarah, you got a very quick question for Congressman Pocan? Um, yes. Hi there. How can, uh, excuse me, um, a bill such as SB 649, um, it's up for vote right now in the California Assembly. This bill will place cell towers on utility poles throughout the residence residential areas and business areas blanketing California with cell towers. How can the government pass such a bill that clearly benefits the telecom industry and will outright endanger the health of Californians, spraying them with, in a, spraying them with high-frequency radiation 24-7, and they okay. will never be able to turn it off? Congressman? Yes, sir. All I can say is that's a California body. I know nothing about it, but I can tell you um, one of the problems we run into, why we don't have high-speed broadband in rural areas, why uh, we've given away in many states the ability for local communities to have uh, their own phone companies and broadband companies, why those laws get pre-exempted is because telecommunication companies are very powerful, have a lot of lobbyists, put a lot of money behind people. And uh, I think when we start talking about antitrust and some of those issues that you're seeing Democrats now talk about, which I'm very glad, uh, those are some of the reasons when you only have a few big, big companies, they can act like these almost monopolies, and we need to, to do something to make sure they don't have that unlimited power. Yeah. Okay, Congressman, uh, we have five seconds left. So <laughs> thank you so much for, in fact, there's the music. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's uh, Middays with Mark. Congressman Mark Pocan, uh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Great having you with us. Uh, Congressman Mark Pocan, you can find his website at pocan.house.gov, and you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Uh, we will be back. Greg Powell is going to drop by. Uh, we'll find out what the latest is with the, uh, the uh, Trump's voter fraud KKK commission. We'll be back. Hey, this is a really important message if you have and drive a car. Did you know that the NTSA says that 94% of car crashes are tied to human error? 60% of accidents are due to lane departure and lack of advanced warnings? That's because only about 40% of people apply their brakes in car crashes and have enough advanced warning. Now there's an affordable anti-collision system that can be added to vehicles years, vehicle years 2000 or newer. It's called the RD140 by Safe Drive Systems. The RD-140 is a front anti-collision radar and lane departure system that works, you know, under normal conditions as well as at night and in all weather conditions. 
It prevents up to 90% of potential injury-causing or fatal car accidents. It's like having an extra set of eyes in hard-to-navigate conditions and when drivers are distracted. It alerts the driver with an audio and visual signal when they're too close to the vehicle in front or when deviating from their lane. It gives up to five extra seconds of reaction time to you. It's great for seniors and teens. Go to safedrivesystems.com to find out how to add the RD140 to your car. Use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, to receive free installation by a professional technician at your home or office. It's currently available in a lim- limited number of states, so go to safedrivesystems.com and use the code T-H-O-M for free installation. Go to safedrivesystems.com now. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. And on the line with us is our old friend Greg Pallast, the investigative reporter for, geez, just about everybody. <laughs> BBC, Rolling Stone, you name it. Uh, Puffin Foundation. It's a, Greg, welcome to the program. Glad to be with you, Tom. It is always great having you on the program with us. So what is Chris Kobach up to? He, they were meeting in New Hampshire yesterday. One of the, and, and the biggest question I have, I asked this of Congressman Pocan just a minute ago. Why is it that a commission that is looking into the integrity of our election system is not asking, are these voting machines hackable? particularly when you've got all these news reports about Russians and everybody else hacking into them. Well, it's eyes wide shut. The real uh, question is, why does a commission called the Elections Integrity Commission have people like Chris Kobach who have no integrity? Yeah. And and I'm not and, and and I don't say that loosely. It's not just an epithet. He's a fibber. He just makes stuff up. And uh, so it was fascinating to see this uh, this uh, gang of of uh, vote fraud hunters to tell you that there's massive vote fraud. And of course, it, people say it's ridiculous, it's stupid. The problem is, is that the joke's on us because it may be foolish because they're not finding these great uh, you know hordes of fraudulent voters, not arresting them, uh, but they are using that as an excuse to change voting rules, and the, as they've done since 2006. Uh, when they began uh, requiring ID in many states. Uh, and the purpose is simply to stop voters of color. And the color is blue, Democrat. Um, unfortunately, a lot of Democrats have gone along, including there is a Democrat, a Democrat on the panel, Bill Gardner. Now, isn't that a good thing to have, you know, some some fox watching the chicken coop? It's a terrible metaphor. It's the wrong <laughs> metaphor for this, but you know, yeah, you understand right. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So there. So, yeah, these, these, so here's the great fraud uh, hunter. So, so, you know, where's the beef? Show us the stuff. So Bill Gardner, by the way, the one Democrat, he is the reason why they had the meeting in New Hampshire. Is he's, the, uh, uh, he's from New Hampshire, and he's the guy that is the source of Kobach's claim that 6,000 people and maybe many more from Massachusetts Voted in the New Hampshire president in the in the New Hampshire Wait a minute, it was uh, a Democrat election, said that? and yeah, and so here's the thing, and he said because they used uh, Massachusetts driver's license to vote in New Hampshire. Now they know exactly who these people are. They have their names and addresses, but the incompetent Secretary of State of New Hampshire absolutely refuses to have them arrested. By the way, the incompetent Secretary of State of New Hampshire is Bill Gardner, the guy who made the accusation. Oh, words, he's accused 6,000 people or more of voting illegally in New Hampshire. He has their names, addresses, everything. Now, I used to live in one. New Hampshire. New Hampshire has got a bunch uh, of really good vote? colleges. I mean, Dartmouth did is in New Hampshire. There? <laughs> did you vote there last week? Did you vote there in the 16? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. No, I did okay. not. Uh, yeah. but, but, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of colleges in New Hampshire. And to the best of my knowledge, if you go to college in New Hampshire, you know, say you live in Indiana or Massachusetts or wherever, um, and you're going to college in New Hampshire, you're there nine months out of the year, so you establish domicile. In other words, you can legally be part of New yeah, Hampshire. You can vote in New Hampshire, even though you're not legally a resident. I mean, that's the law in New Hampshire, and you don't have to get a New Hampshire driver's license to, to, to vote. Why has that simple reality not sunk into these fools? Well, it's because I hate to say it, Tom, they're not really fools. They're wise fools. They know exactly what they're doing, which is to create a hysteria that we need all kinds of rules to, for example, once again, we go back to a system called cross-check. See, because what New Hampshire is saying, what Kobach and the uh, uh, so-called Democrat, by the way, the League of Women Voters said, he's not a Democrat, but you know, you know the League, or as Chris Kobach calls them, the Communist League of Women Voters. I can't make that up. That's what he calls them all the time, the Communist League. Uh, so, um, the, 
so Gardner and Kobach in this, and remember, this is Trump's commission. So this is going to affect voting systems nationwide if they get what they want. Um, they are saying that people are voting not only in New Hampshire illegal, but illegally, but New Hampshire and Massachusetts. And the way that you find that is by using the system called cross-check, which Kobach has come up and said, oh my God, people are registered in two states. Uh, obviously, they're double voters. We have this big crime wave. There's two things. If you were a, a Massachusetts resident and driver, and then you went to school in New Hampshire, and you just kept your old license, you're not voting in two states. They don't have a single case of that. They've made the accusation, by the way. Uh, Kobach has listed tens of thousands of people in Massachusetts and New Hampshire who are supposedly double voters or double registered illegally. He hasn't, again, he hasn't arrested one, nor his buddy Gardner has not arrested one. You then go to school in New Hampshire. You are now a New Hampshire uh, resident, or as you say, the word, the technical word is domicile. You're supposed to vote in New Hampshire and you don't have to change your driver's license. I can tell you, I know someone uh, in the same situation, my daughter who is domiciled in uh, one state, but kept her uh, New York driver's license uh, because she doesn't drive in the state where she goes to school. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very common. So they're using obvious situations. And again, if there are illegal voters, bust them. In fact, give me the names. I will go and arrest them. I got their cross check list, the Massachusetts, New Hampshire crosses. I don't see a single illegal voter. I have the names. I've contacted people. This is all ridiculous. Their students or people who've moved and haven't changed their driver's license. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's uh, and, and once again, they're not busting people because the crime doesn't exist. The whole crowd, his whole little cabal. And, you know, and of course, the other business that they're talking about is is um, that illegal aliens, Tom, right. are um, voting in our elections. You know, so and, and Greg, that, isn't, we know what that's heading. Isn't this really an attempt to simply take us back to that era from the mid-1860s or early 1870s. Actually, I'd say the mid-1870s, you know, the, the beginning of the death of Reconstruction, um, you know, through uh, really 19, 1965, you know, to the Voting Rights Act, where, where, you know, in southern states, they'd say, well, you know, we got these people down here who aren't all that smart, so we got to give them a literacy test. And we got people down here who, you know, they really don't know how the economy works. They don't make any money. So we got to charge them a poll tax to make sure that they can vote, uh, you know, uh, to prove that they're upstanding citizens. And, and all these other BS excuses that they that they put out for years and years to block the vote of basically a people of color. Well, what you're bringing up, of course, is all the Jim Crow era laws. A lot of people misunderstand American history. When Martin Luther King was marching from uh, Selma to Montgomery to demand the Voting Rights Act, black people, there's no law on the books that said black people can't vote. People misunderstand that. It was just this same kind of game that you had to have all kinds of, to prevent vote fraud, the Ku Klux Klan, and I kid you not, the Ku Klux Klan wrote laws um, that uh, you know made sure that they would block black people um, and poor people, which in, by the way is Catholics, at that time that they were going after. <laughs> um, and they, there's no law in the books that said black people, Catholics can't vote or poor people can't vote. What it was was a series of, of, uh, of rules to try to so-called, to prevent so-called vote fraud. That, so you got your history right. And so we're now going back into that dark Jim Crow history, except instead of you know um, using white sheets to scare away voters, they're using spreadsheets created by Chris Kobach the chairman of this commission is also secretary of state of Kansas. And, you know, once again, uh, in fact, it was Kobach himself and, and Kobach's called me. I've spoken to him. I've, in fact, if you look at my film, I, I jump him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a brilliant, away from me. brilliant piece. And by the way, just, I, I should have mentioned that when I introduced you, you're, you're the author and filmmaker of the best democracy money can buy, which is an absolutely mind bogglingly brilliant movie that you need to have to see. You, you have to see it and you have to show it to all your friends and you can watch it on Amazon for three bucks and it's brilliant. Well, so, I'm, I'm going to save you three bucks. Let me save you three bucks because in two weeks you're going to have the new version out, which you okay. can get from uh, the uh, GregPalace.com. Uh, so cool. let me, uh, yeah, just let me mention though that um, you know yesterday I'm very, very concerned about this claim that non-citizens are voting. Chris Kobach himself says it's very, very easy to find these people and to bust them, yet he has not busted them. By the way, as the Secretary of State of Kansas, he has the legal authority to make arrests. He's failed to do so. 
And same and same with this guy Gardner, and same uh, he has a guy named Hans von Spakovsky uh, of the Heritage Foundation on his panel on the on the Trump uh, election integrity panel. Hans is like voter suppression, you know, central. I mean, he's been on this beat yeah. for years. Well, again, he said that he that the Heritage Foundation has 1,100 specific cases of voter fraud. I've actually looked at the Heritage site. Sorry, it ain't there. Uh, they have a list of uh, of uh, uh, claims that were made, and we don't have any busts. Uh, so you know, uh, and there, yes, there have been about as as the ACLU points out, more people serve on the commission than have been arrested and convicted of uh, vote fraud in America. Absolutely amazing. Greg Palast, investigative journalist, Truth Out, Rolling Stone, authored, filmmaker, the best mo- democracy money can buy. Check out gregpalast.com, particularly two weeks from now when the new version comes out. You can tweet him at Greg Palast. Uh, at Greg underscore palace, excuse me. Greg, thank you so much. You're the man. Great talking with you. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Okay, I promised you uh, breaking Ted Cruz news. Uh, this, of course, slightly tongue-in-cheek because it's from our old friend Andy Borowitz, who years ago gave us permission to share his stories with you. This is in The New Yorker today. And I'll just read it straight because it's just so it's just so great. Uh, this is uh, Dateline Washington, the Borowitz Report. The pornography industry has likely suffered permanent damage as a result of its unfortunate association with the Texas Senator Ted Cruz, industry sources said on Tuesday. Porn, which takes in annual profits of $15 billion, could see those revenues decimated if, as some industry experts fear, users begin to have intrusive thoughts involving Senator Cruz. Uh, Harlan Dorenson, an industry insider, said for porn producers, this is a crisis with no simple solution. If you warn viewers not to think about Ted Cruz, there's a real danger that that's all they'll think about. In the hours since porn first became associated with the Texas senator, traffic to porn sites has plummeted in what industry sources are ruefully calling the Cruz effect. Davis Longston, a porn user from Minnesota, said, I've enjoyed porn for years and never dreamed that anything could ruin the experience for me. Thanks a lot, Ted Cruz. Yeah. Okay, that's, you know, what can you say? The one thing Ted Cruz has not said so far is that he's not the guy who liked that porn clip. To the best of my knowledge, I'm, I may be wrong on this, but, you know, I've, I've seen two clips of him talking about this and uh, ain't happening. Okay, a bunch of other stuff in the news that I wanted to share with you today. This, uh, we, you know, we've talked about the stock market and the economy and how they're two different things and what an economy really means, why we have an economy, in fact. I mean, it, the, this is a business, for example, this radio show. We, you know, we incorporated, it's a business. Why does a government let people incorporate? And why does a government give all kinds of benefits to people who own businesses? Why is it that I can have lunch and write it off, as long as I talk about business, even in a relatively marginal fashion, I can have lunch and write it off, in other words, have you pay for it, but Troy can't. Who works for me, who, you know, who's our, our producer or, or Nate, for that matter. Um, the reason why is because the, the thinking was business needs to serve society. And in, in exchange for serving society, we're going to give business some benefits. Right. We're going to we're going to give them some protections. You know, we have you have protection against liability. That's why limited liability corporation, LLC uh, or incorporation, just a you know, basic corporation. Uh, you have the ability to basically form a union. It's called a corporation. It's, it's you know, you can get a bunch of people together and start a business. Uh, or, you know, you can do sole proprietorships and things like that. But business has gone completely nuts in the last 40 years since Reaganism. Reagan basically, you know, quote, unleashed business. Well, you know, what has happened is, you know, the, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, those four decades, every single one of those four decades, we had GDP growth more than 3%. In the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and now the 20-teens, we are below 3% every single decade. So ever since Reaganism kicked in, our, our economy has gotten sluggish, our middle class is, is sliding, and of course the rich are getting richer. But the bottom line is what's happening with businesses in America? And, and, and businesses, particularly big businesses, um, which are badly distorting our economy because of all this monopolization that's going on, basically every industry in America has now become vertically integrated and, and has become uh, consolidated. So you've got 
four or five airlines. You got four or five major food companies. You got four or five internet companies. You got four or five television networks. You got three companies that own the majority of radio stations in this country. You got a couple of companies that own the major newspapers. You got, you know, and you've got hotel chains all across the country. It used to be you could drop drive into any city in America and know where you were because there would be local hotels with the name of the town on it. No more, right? So this is screwing things up badly. And now here we are with this piece in the, in the Financial Times today. The headline, Wall Street Titans Grow Wary of Aging Rally in U.S. Stocks. Again, keep in mind, the stock market is not the economy. The fund managers are hoarding cash, writes Robin Wigglesworth and Nicole Bullock in New York are hoarding cash and buying protection against turbulence despite the S&P 500 rally this week, becoming the second strongest bull run in U.S. history. There's a serious lack of volatility, which has got people really concerned. Typically in a year, you get four or five major corrections in a market. We haven't had one this year. The S&P 500 on Monday, quoting from the article in the Financial Times, the S&P 500 on Monday surpassed the record high last touched in early August and overtook the 1949 to 1956 rally to become the second strongest cyclical bull market in history. We're talking all the way back to George Washington, up almost 268%. Now, if that is not a bubble, I don't know what a bubble is. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have the latest news and information from Wall Street and Main Street, all points in between, plus best of the rest of the news. And don't forget, democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.